Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. So today is the final sermon of our summer series, Hot Topics for a Hot Summer 2023. And it certainly has probably on record been one of the hottest that Mississippians have ever experienced from everything I can tell. We perhaps have broken a few records, so it's been hot. But what I, what I want to do today is that I, I want to talk about grief. In other words, the, the question, God, how, how do I get over a broken heart? Usually, our heart is broken because of a loss. I mentioned in our prayer time different various losses that we can have. A job, death of a loved one, child going off to college maybe for the first time. It, it could be a number of things. A broken relationship you feel like will perhaps on this side of heaven never be restored. A, a loss. We all, just because we're Christians, go through times that our heart is broken. And so today, I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 11. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 44 in the NIV. I I tell you, I, I wear glasses, and if I really want to see, I wear them. But I don't like to wear them. I just don't like something on my head while I'm preaching. So I may or may not keep them on, but... I want to, because if it's a lengthy passage and because uh, I probably will read this rapidly because it's a long text, I, I want to be able to see it, and I want, you to, I want you to know something, that to me, this is one of the greatest go-to passages in God's Word for a broken heart. And the reason I say that is because what we find here is Jesus, who had friends, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And all of a sudden, Jesus is away from their home and away from time with special friends, doing what he was called to do. And all of a sudden, Lazarus was very, very sick. And he ended up passing away. And so these that were very close to Jesus, Mary and Martha, asked some questions, questions that you ask and that I ask and that we need to know it's okay. I mean, literally, Jesus walked the earth thousands of years ago. And he showed us how to live, how to hurt, how to rejoice, how to celebrate. And so my prayer, even though this passage may be very familiar to you and to me, is that he will help your heart if you're hurting right now. John chapter 11. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Verse 4, 
When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews were there trying to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by the world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Another word that's often used in the Bible for passing away or dead. But I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, Martha answered. I I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him when the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out. They followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, she was, she was deeply, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead men, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. 
Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Hope for the brokenhearted. In the year 21 and half of 21 and, and, and most of 2022, I experienced, as some of you know, a number of deaths or losses in my own personal life. I had a friend named John Harper. John and I played baseball at Clinton. John was a fine Christian man, married a Clinton girl, Janie Goza, and they lived in Starkville. And though I had done a lot of funerals, I'd not yet done one for a teammate or a classmate. It was a first. Even though I had not spoken with John in years, he was the kind of uh, vivacious individual and friend and teammate that We'd reconnect like we were together the day before. Many of you had friends like that that had passed away. And so it hurt. It was hard. By God's grace, he helped me. Precious family, wife Cheney, three girls. I love John. When I think about him, like many of you do, who had a close friend, classmate, teammate, passed away. As you get away from it, you smile. But there's times that you don't smile because your heart is hurting. And maybe you ponder. I shared with you last week that I'm getting a dog a week from tomorrow, by the way. Some of you ask, when are you getting, when are you getting Woodrow tomorrow, a week from tomorrow? And, and I'm, I'm naming him. I took some time about the name. I started to call this little Dotson Harper after John Harper because he had, he had a wiener dog named Heidi. And we used to have so much fun with that dog. And then I thought, ah. I don't think I could, I think I'll do a middle name. Woodrow Harper Kitchings is what my little dog will be because it might be that when I say Harper, it might stir me up just a little bit. Sometimes our heart is broken because a friend, a teammate, a bud has passed away. And then after John, there was a key layman in our church named Keith Laird. He passed suddenly. Keith was like a, uh, a rock at Fifth Avenue in St. Pete. He would, uh, he would take it on the chin. He would hit things head on that needed to be hit head on, and yet he was a servant. He was really special. And all of a sudden, boom, he's gone. Right after that, all these are in a matter of weeks and months. My father-in-law, Mike Vaughn, died in an accident. Mr. Vaughn, Kelly's dad was very influential in my life as a teenager and a college student long before Kelly came along. And he died. My Uncle John, my Pop Kitchings had five kids. Aunt Grace is still alive, but all the other ones have passed away. My dad was the first one at 60 to pass away. So Uncle John was the one who always was there for us for different weddings and times that were important. And he died. 
and then my two sisters. I'm the youngest of, of three, and so my two sisters died. Now, I, I, I tell you this not to, for you to feel sorry for me. Some of you have been through a lot more than I have ever dreamed of, ever. And there's always somebody, no, bad, no matter how bad we may think we have it and our heart is breaking, that's got it worse. And sometimes those are the people that will never say a word. I read around the same time or shortly after that a book called Divine Disruption by Dr. Tony Evans, a pastor in Dallas. Great book. If you're going through grief, loss, I recommend the book. Divine Dis- Disruption. And he and his kids, this is what he, I, I thought, a lot had happened to me in a short period of time. No. Dr. Evans, in a short period of time. Recently, around the same time frame a little earlier, his daddy died, his brother died, his sister died, his niece died, his brother-in-law died, and then his wife died. And he wrote a book. Here's a quote. Out of the book, Divine Disruption. Life has been interrupted. But we have to believe there is a divine message in the disruption disruption somehow I want to say that again by faith he says we have to believe there is a divine disruption divine message in the disruption somehow one he says that could save our lives and ultimately bring us closer to each other and God there's hope now notice what he said to each other and God I want to make sure that we do not miss this. That is one of the blessings of the family of God, which is why it's so important to find a fellowship. It's where we pray with one another. We cry and weep with one another. We comfort one another. We laugh with one another. We sing with one another. Oh, I thank God for the family of God. It is not perfect. But it's by God's design to help us walk through the journey of life from cradle to death. And so, what can we pull from our text this morning as a way of application? Here's the first thing. Here's the hope. Here's the thing we need to remember. Timing never seems ideal. When we have a loss, The timing never seems ideal. For example, simple illustration. I have never had a flat tire at a good time. Matter of fact, it's never a good time for me to have flat tire car trouble because I'm mechanically uh, uh, confused. I get the car and go. And so I'm telling you, I have never had car trouble and thought, oh, man, thank you, God. I planned for this. This is wonderful. No, especially those of us that are kind of organized and structured and it, it can really throw us. It's never come at a good time. Timing is never ideal. 
for your child to get sick, especially when you've got two or three, four. Some of you are balancing that, and you're trying to get them to school, and you're trying to get them to ball practice, and you're trying to get them to music rehearsal, and one of them's sick. It's like, oh, Lord, I planned for this. No. More than likely, you're thinking, man, this is a terrible time for all of this to happen. Some of you have a dog, speaking of Woodrow, that barks right when the baby or the grandbaby is going to sleep. Don't do that. You go grab his snout. Timing. For a loss is never ideal. Yeah, this is great. The number of deaths that I experienced, and the most recent with my middle sister, Karen, which happened this past December, was not ideal. It was the 1st of December. My wife had gone out of town. There I was in Florida in our little house. It was Christmas season. I like Christmas music. I was already singing the songs of Christmas. I can't usually do it before Thanksgiving. Some can, God bless you. But I have to wait till Thanksgiving, and then I just sing them. Whether people like my singing or not, I'm singing them. I like them. It was Christmas. I had started having conversations with your pastor search committee. They reached out to me. We were having conversations. And it was in the middle of the night during this unique, special time in our lives. And all of a sudden, there's a door Somebody knocking on the door the middle of the night. I've never had that. It's usually not always good. And I was kind of dazed, and I woke up. Somebody's knocking at the door. I go to the front door. It's a neighbor I'd never met and said, you need to call your wife. And I'm like, what? You need to call your wife, Kelly. I know we don't know each other, but you got her number, she said, so just call her. So I go back in there. And I call Kelly, and she shared with me that my sister had been in a wreck and had passed away. The timing is never ideal. Now, let's look back at our text and see this. A couple of verses. Let's look at verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now, here's why I'm reading that. Sometimes, because of the bad timing in our mind, we think, God doesn't love me. Yes, He does. He does. God's love is eternal, everlasting. He loves us in spite of our sin. That's why He went to the cross. And if we put our faith in Him, He gives us abundant life and eternal life. He loves us whether we understand our loss or not. He loves us. Don't question his love. Please. He loves us. He loved them. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He would have never intentionally done something or allowed something to happen to make them think that he didn't love them. Same thing for us. Not ideal timing, but his love is steady. What else do we see? Verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, 
if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Translated, Jesus, your timing's off. That's what she's saying. Hey, now, Jesus, I know you're God in flesh. And we tight, but your timing is off. Talking to Jesus. Sometimes we go through a loss, and if we're not careful, we can say things that we really don't mean or we hadn't thought through. Now, obviously, Christ can handle it. We're going to see more of that in a minute as we unpack this package that's right here in the scripture of dealing with hurt. So what do we see? God loves us. Second, a close friend who walked and talked, questioned God's timing and his absence. Pain. We hadn't dealt with the problem of evil in our series. Perhaps next summer we dive into this series again, but Recently, I shared a post from years ago where I talked about that or talked about pain. What can we learn? Why does it happen? What might God be doing? One is instruction. He teaches us. It's hard. We'd rather go to a class and learn it in Sunday school, but sometimes it's life that provides the best lessons for Christians. He teaches us. It can be for instruction. It can be for correction. God disciplines those he loves. And so sometimes he allows pain and difficulty and tribulation to correct us. The Lord disciplines those he loves. And sometimes it's simply for perfection. It's called sanctification from the time we trust Christ to the time we go to heaven. He's sanctifying us. Proverbs 3 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. The next time, and it may be coming, we don't know when, you wonder about his timing and what to do. Maybe what you ought to do is not just memorize that verse. Maybe what we ought to do is think about printing it out and putting it on our mirror. So when we go in the morning, we brush our teeth. I hope you brush your teeth in the morning. When we brush our teeth... We get our toothpaste ready. One of the first things we do, we look in that mirror, and there's that verse. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Trust his timing. Trust him. It's probably not ideal. You probably didn't plan for it. You probably thought, no, that's the neighbor down the street, not me. But, yes, all of a sudden it is you. Trust him. And never doubt his Unconditional love for you. Secondly, what can we learn from the text? Talking with Jesus includes making an appeal. In other words, ask him questions. Cry out, sing, laugh, grapple with things. When you're with your closest, your spouse or your closest friend or family members, I mean, you can talk about most anything. That's why they're so close to you. That's the kind of relationship Jesus wants with you and with me, where we will talk with him and we'll grapple with the tough issues. It's okay to ask questions and it's okay to cry. We see this from the text, even though sometimes the questions may be a little ignorant. We're finite. He's infinite. God is 11 and 12 in the verses. 
After he said this, reading this again, he went on to tell them to the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death. His disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Do, do, do you see what's happening here? We're talking to the disciples. We're talking about they've been with Jesus. They'd been hanging with him. They'd been selected. They'd been chosen. And he says, okay, he's asleep. And they're like, hey, if he's asleep, we're going to wake him up. Went over their head. Didn't get it. Sometimes we go through things and we ask Jesus questions because maybe we've never been there before. Maybe we didn't understand it. But nowhere do we see Jesus rebuking them like, you big dummies, you've been with me this long and you... No, it's okay. Talk to him. Talk to him. Even if your questions may not be extremely accurate or bright, verse 16. Then Thomas, okay, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm going to be there that you might believe, but let us go to him. Listen to bright Thomas. Listen to what Thomas says. He said to the rest of his disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. <laughs> I feel like that's something I might say, or maybe you would, because it's just like, hey, hey, He's dead. Let's all go die. He didn't get it. He didn't understand it. Jesus didn't say. There wasn't a meme of Jesus rolling his eyes. No. I think the heart of Jesus when we see this and see he didn't rebuke him on this is because he just didn't understand is a matter of just probably just compassion and love. Maybe a smile is what I like to think of. Don't you do that with your children, your grandchildren, when they say something that they, they just hadn't experienced yet, and you just kind of think, uh, I don't think they really knew what they were asking or understood because it's a little off. We all do that, especially when we're hurting. Jesus says it's okay, and then there's verse 39. Verse 39, take away the stone, he said. But Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. In other words, it stinketh. Jesus could take care of that too. And he did. He showed her. Why, why are we going to... It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to dialogue, to support, to talk. Because sometimes we don't. And we put up a shield. We block Jesus because we don't get the timing. Or we're hurt. Or it's about our lives. And sometimes we're self-centered. That's the last thing we need to do. The first thing we need to do is have a little talk with Jesus. We need to talk to him. Crowd to him. Sing. Ask questions. Pray. Don't withdraw. Go toward him, especially when you're hurting and you don't understand what's going on. And it's okay to cry. You see that in these verses. 
33, 34, Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had been along with her were weeping, and Jesus wept. It's okay to cry. Isaiah 53, 3 says he was despised, prophecy of Jesus, and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, and familiar with pain. Have you cried yet of your loss? It, it may be you hadn't, but it's going to hit you at some point. And speaking of ideal times, it, it may not be a, an ideal time, but let it go. And don't worry about what people think. And sometimes it may not be just a boo-hoo. It may just be tears are streaming because you're grieving and you're going through things. Had my nephews and nieces over about a month ago. I told some of you about this. And it was the first time we had all been together since their mothers, my sister, had died. That never happened before. I'm the baby. I'm not supposed to be in charge, the one they look to. And all of a sudden, without me thinking about it, there they were in They didn't see me. Kelly, I don't think, realized that several times I had some moments of weeping and crying, and I was unusually quiet, and I'm sure they picked up on that. But it was because of grief. It is okay to grieve. It is okay to cry. Jesus wept. And you can't necessarily plan for it. Sometimes it may hit you out of nowhere. I could talk to my dad about anything. He died when I was 26. I could talk about to my oldest sister, Kathy, about anything. She died a year and a half ago. But let me tell you, who died and is now alive? Jesus. And I can talk to him every day, every moment. Until I see him face to face. Jeremiah 33.3. It's been described as God's telephone number. Call to me and I will answer you. And tell you great and unsearchable things in which you do not know. I'm going to tell you. I like mornings. For a number of different reasons. But my primary reason. Is because for me. The best time to meet alone with Jesus is in the mornings. And let me tell you why I like it. One is, he ain't leaving me. He's there until I see him. He's not dying. He already died, rose again. Therefore, we have hope here and eternity because we're going to be with him and all of our loved ones who put their faith and trust in him. But let me tell you why I like I can't wait till in the mornings because sometimes the day before and the night's been great and I get with him and I celebrate and it's good. Oh, I'm glad you can't hear me sing because I'm singing. I like it. And I'm going to be with him, and we're going to rejoice, and we're going to have a good time. But let me tell you the other reason I like it is when I had a rough day, or I got bad news, or I got a broken relationship, or I got something coming up that I think, I, oh, God, if you don't show up. I got, I got stuff. 
I got stuff with my kids or my grandkids or somebody in another, whatever it might be. And sometimes I think, Lord, if you know, I cannot wait to get along with God, to read his word and pray and to say, dear God, please help me. He's there. And I can tell you how good it is. That doesn't mean I may not leave the room running sprints because I'm excited, but it means that I've talked to Jesus and I can trust him and he helps me. Time after time after time after time. Don't miss meeting with him. Don't you wait till the next Sunday. No, 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 no. I'm glad you're here. You have a little talk with Jesus on your own beforehand. And you talk to him. And you make an appeal. And you share with him the good and the bad. Thirdly, we see trusting Jesus' words is a big, Deal. I should have put big honking deal, but I didn't. Verse 41 shows they believed by faith even though they didn't get it. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe you'll see the glory? So they're trying to figure out what's going on. Hey, he's dead. He stinketh. What's up? Then they looked at Jesus. They took away the stone. What? They did it in faith. They did it anyway. They kept taking a step. They kept on in life. Verse 45 shows that it impacted others due to their faith. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Listen to this. Great grief provides a platform for greater influence. I'm talking about kingdom influence. Great grief provides a platform for greater influence. And the Bible says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Now, I want to explain the invitation today. It's going to be a little bit different. Robert and others are going to come leading our invitation. We'll sing a song we've already sung once. It's a great hymn. So the invitation is for those that have never trusted Christ. Listen, the most important decision you can ever make, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you're not sure you're born again, you're a believer, you're doubting your salvation, is nail it down. There's counselors that will talk to you, and they'll certainly talk to you about that without embarrassing you or intentionally putting you on the spot. Best decision you'll ever make. And then there's others that need to come, make a step toward joining the church or other things. Our staff's going to be right here. And then there's this altar. And as staff... We want to pray for you. It might be you've experienced a loss, but somehow, some way, God has spoken you today. And anybody, you, you just need to sing right there. That's fine. Or you need to kneel and pray right there. That's fine too. But it may be what God wants you to do. And you know the touch of the Holy Spirit wants you to come and just cry out to Him and get it out, talk to Him, whatever it is. Or it may be one of the staff members can pray for you. We don't have all the answers, but God does. Never underestimate the power of prayer.
Let's stand. Let me pray before we respond to God's invitation. God, this is your invitation. And I just pray for courage. I pray, Lord, that we will follow and we will do your will, whatever that is. In Jesus' name, amen.